try that out. I don't know their email address. <laughs> Just call the church or shoot an email to the church. All that stuff is on the website. We would love to get you connected. I promise you, you will be rewarded greatly. Uh, it's just a, a beautiful demonstration. Um, all right. I'm Brad. I'm the lead pastor. Here at Faith Covenant Church, we say we are a family of what? We are a family of grace. Tone's on staff, so she got it right. Uh, we are a family of grace making what? Disciples. Yeah, disciple is an apprentice. Making uh, uh, learners, making apprentices, making workers, uh, following Jesus who then go make more what? Disciples, yeah. That, that's why we exist. Uh, that's, our, that's our mission. To do so, we have three things. You hear them all the time. You're probably sick of hearing them. That's all right. Uh, we gather together, which is what we're doing right now. We grow together, which is we grow through uh, uh, coming together uh, with the Holy Spirit, with God's people and God's Word. We grow in an understanding of who God is. And then... We do something else. Before I talk about that something else, I want you to know, most churches are actually pretty, pretty decent at gather. Yeah, because, I mean, this is what churches do. We, we, we meet on Sundays. We, we all pretty much know that. We, churches are good at gather. And you know what? Most churches are pretty good at grow. They have something, you know, a Sunday school class. They have some small groups. They have Bible studies. Uh, getting the gather and the grow right is, is not too hard for most churches. It's the third one. And if you've hung out with me for any length of time, over the past couple of years, one of the things I've said is, you know what, we, we're, we're weak in go. We've been going, but there's no overall uh, vision for go. We need a champion of go. And so we brought Tone on help lead us go. <laughs> and we are going to finish our, our September series on gather and grow and go. Imagine more, imagine more as we gather and as, imagine more as we grow and go. Uh, so I'm going to let Tone give the, the word this morning. And then we're going to head actually into the rest of October. The rest of October is all about putting our gather and our grow into action. So without further ado, Tone Waters, give her a big round of applause. Well, good morning, Faith Covenant Church. You get to see real me. I'm not a character. This will be good. <laughs> I'd like to acknowledge that there will be Q&A after the message, so uh, please feel free to text this number that you see on the screen. Um, and if you can't do that or would rather write, there are comment cards in the seat backs in front of you all, and if you're in the front row, you can just ask a neighbor. Um, and you can write down your question, and we can answer it that way. So my name is Tone Waters. I'm your director of GO, which is Outreach and Communications here at Faith Covenant Church in Burnsville. Pastor Shar and Brad have helped me discover God's intent for me to pursue a pastoral call, and I am hoping to attend seminary beginning next fall. My background began in acting, and I have my bachelor's degree in theater performance. When I was engaged to Brian, my husband, God led me to leave acting behind and called me to work on college campuses where I supervised, taught writing, served on crisis response and conflict resolution teams. Working on college campuses became too much when we adopted our first child, and I was pregnant with our second. So I thought I would find a more traditional 40-hour-a-week job and worked at U.S. Bank in Burnsville, primarily for, um, in business banking for over four years. 
And then my husband and I, being gluttons for punishment, thought, hey, what's one more kid? And decided that if God were to bless us with one more child, I would need a more flexible job. It's funny, when I sat in one of the orange pews years ago, Brad said something about hiring a director of outreach one day, and I thought to myself, hey, that sounds like a really cool job. So God has a sense of humor, because here we are. (laughs) Um, So why am I telling you all of this? Well, whether you know me or not, I think it's good to know who is speaking to you on any given Sunday. And I know most of you see me as maybe funny and confident, but these outward traits came at a price. What God has put on my heart to share with you today is not a light topic, so I would like us all to buckle up and lean into the discomfort. Though God has blessed me beyond my wildest dreams, he has also walked alongside and within me through some extreme situations. I'm a survivor of childhood abuse, molestation by a friend's father, and sexual assault from a boyfriend as a teenager. God, being the very best father, was kind enough to reveal this past trauma to me in baby steps, and he helped me understand my past story and how he would use it to help others. An avid reader of his word, I knew even though I was broken, I needed to go somehow and make these fishers of men Jesus was always talking about in the New Testament. So I began serving youth and children domestically in Illinois, Kansas, and Oregon, and abroad in Mexico and Colombia on more short-term mission trips. At the time, I didn't understand what God was doing, but now I see very clearly the threads he was weaving to bring me closer to his longing for his justice in our world. Before we go further, I would like us all to pray, so if you could pray with me. God, you are such a good God, and you have the biggest heart for justice, Lord. Praise God that you are in charge of all that is just and right and good. I pray, Lord, that during this time we would discover more about who you are, God, and that we we would each be inspired to go and serve you, Lord, in the ways in which you have gifted us to go and serve. And I pray, Lord, that you get me out of the way and that people would draw closer and nearer to you. In your name, amen. All right. So I believe that God has called me to this specific time and place to lead our church body in this effort to go together. So for today, I would like us to imagine more in our going as a church. God has laid these verses on my heart and mind, and we'll discuss them today to better understand why going and serving with one another is in the very fabric of our DNA as Christians. The key passage today is from Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7, and it says this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters a marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We will spend our time together reflecting on how we see God's peace and justice, but this verse in us imagining more as we go begs us to ask this question before we go anywhere. Why do we, the church, go? Why do we need to go and do anything? Isn't it enough that I worship God privately and corporately? Isn't it enough for me to serve in the nursery or in the coffee shop or to lead a Bible study even? Uh, What more do I need to go and do? 
And church, hear me, all of these things are beautiful. In fact, I'm so grateful for what you all do and the potential I see for where we are going. But church, hear me, because trust me, I need this message too. The things we do inside of these walls mean nothing if we don't go out of these doors and show people the love of Jesus in action. And here is the first reason why we, the church, go. And it's to pursue God's heart for justice. Biblical justice simply means living in right relationship with God, one another, and his creation. Covenant pastor and author Eugene Cho, in his book, Overrated, this title is hilarious, you guys, Overrated, are we more in love with the idea of changing the world than actually changing the world? (laughs) He quotes the prophet Jeremiah several times and asserts that we cannot read the scriptures without gathering a sense of and the need to pursue God's heart for justice. Jeremiah 22, verse 3 says, This is what the Lord says, Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. Cho teaches us that the Hebrew word for justice appears over 200 times in the Old Testament alone. And God says it right here in Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. In this text specifically, we see that God cares very much about the oppressed, the orphan, the widow, the victims and survivors of violence. Cho argues, and I agree, that to pursue what is just and right is to pursue God's heart for justice because it reflects the very nature and character of who God is. In church, aren't we all made in his image? And being made in his image doesn't just mean looks. We are active, alive, the living word made flesh in us, his imaginings. God invites us and commands us that we pursue his heart for justice. Cho writes, and I want you to see this and let it sink in. We need to pursue justice, not just because the world is broken, but because we're broken too. Pursuing justice helps us put our own lives in order. Perhaps this is what God intended, that in doing his work serving others, we discover more of his character and are changed ourselves. Amen. And make no mistake, we need to pursue God's heart for justice, faith. So, okay, let's just go. We're going to go and do things, right? If we're to pursue God's heart for justice, let's go now. Save the world. Random acts of kindness. Yeah. Well, that sounds really fun and inspiring. Going and doing without examining the brokenness in the lives of God's people through his word and the brokenness in, our, in the lives of us, his church, would be futile. This is why our second reason for why we go is so crucial. True justice relies on God's people, us, pursuing shalom and lament. If we are to pursue God's heart for justice, we must also be pursuers of shalom. So now, what is shalom? Shalom is such a beautiful word that we don't use enough in church today. Isn't it beautiful? It means this. Shalom, a Hebrew word for peace, wholeness, completeness, soundness, health, safety, and prosperity. Pursuing shalom isn't easy, and yet God has called his people then and now to this task. It's Jesus' call for God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Shalom begs us, come and die to ourselves in order for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we must pursue shalom. What would it look like for us to pursue shalom? 
Sung Chan Ra reflects on Jeremiah 29.7 in his book, Prophetic Lament, A Call for Justice in Troubled Times. It says in Jeremiah 29.7, and that was our key verses earlier on, the last part. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. He states, Ra states, that the familiar formula and the anticipated call to seek the peace of Jerusalem would have been a sign of hope that the exiles could turn their attention back to the promised land. And see this, instead, they are commanded very unexpectedly to seek the shalom of Babylon. Hmm. To seek the shalom of Babylon. Okay, Faith, let's say uh, Switzerland attacks us, okay? Everyone, yeah. Everyone in Minnesota has been completely displaced, held captive, or killed. Imagine we are those survivors who have been placed in a country with which we have no familiarity. We're no longer allowed to carry on our cultural or religious customs. So the way in which we freely dress, eat whatever food we want, or worship is completely stripped from us. In fact, you're not allowed to read the Bible anymore or any other other non-governmental approved literature. The only work available to you, if you're so lucky to work, is so labor-intensive that you can barely move once you get home. And not to your actual home, but a place where in which you have maybe a cot to sleep on next to your fellow exiles. Your children, if they're still with you, can no longer attend school and are forced to earn their keep working for the government, where there is no more hope of what they might become, but rather fears for what tomorrow might bring. And then God says to each of us, all of us who've survived in this room very clearly, seek my shalom. In Lamentations 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. She was queen among the provinces, has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her, they have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. So putting ourselves quite literally in the shoes of the exiles helps us understand that our pursuit of shalom must accompany a greater awareness of all the facets of our emotions and feelings. Ra uses Lamentations 1, 1 through 3 as a mirror to Jeremiah 29, noting that Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, as he is called, confronts the desire of a defeated people to give up and run away. Ra asserts that this should not result in an impulse to escape this devastation. No, they should continue engaging amidst the terrible occurrences which struck God's people. So let's pause right here, because this is a lot. A moment ago, we were talking about shalom, and now we have this interesting element called lament. Lament simply means a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. We find lament throughout the Bible. In fact, 40% of the Psalms are lament. We are told that Jesus himself wept. And yet, how often do we discuss lament in a church setting? The scholars I mentioned today and in my own study of scripture suggest that lament might be the missing link in our ability to engage with those inside and outside of our church walls more authentically, bringing about shalom and ultimately bringing God's heart for justice to life. 
So before we move forward, I, I want to tell you a story about how embracing lament changes how and why we go. I once knew a girl in high school. She seemed to have everything together. She was an honors student, very involved in extracurricular activities. She had lots of friends. She was the first in her family to graduate from a four-year college. She got married and immediately secured both a job and a spot in a master's program at a university. From the outside, everyone thought this girl had it all, and she was reminded time and again how lucky she was to have received such blessings at such a young age. This girl, now a woman, began working with college students, specifically training them on signs of healthy and unhealthy relationships. One day, a sexual assault advocate came to speak with the woman and her students, and it was then, at the age of 22, that the woman recalled something horrifying from her past. As the trainer described what sexual assault was, the woman realized that a relationship from high school, which had haunted her for all of these years, fit this description of being sexually violent, and she realized that she was a survivor of sexual assault. Panicked by the overwhelming stream of emotions she felt during this session, she left the session early so she could process all she was feeling in private. She felt a sense of shame. She felt guilt. She felt like crying and screaming and running away somewhere no one else could find her. She was a woman of faith, and for the first time she was questioning why God would have kept this secret from her for so long. Why in his infinite wisdom would he reveal this to her now, when other people needed her to lead them in counseling others on this traumatic topic? And this woman, as some of you may have guessed, is me. I still lament this relationship, especially because it has led me to grieving the relationship with my parents because I also learned that year I was abused and that I, too, was a survivor of domestic violence. I just thought this was how relationships worked. Let me pause and say, if you or someone you love is going through this, please know you're not alone, and know it's not normal for people to be treated any less than being made in the image of God, because God loves all his kids, and he wants everything to work out for our good. And yet, like any parent, he cannot protect us from the reality that life is really hard and unfair. Through this lament, though, I have realized that God has brought me through this trauma to help others. It led me to go and ultimately assisted in solidifying my call to hopefully one day lead a congregation. And I know I'm not alone in having experiences like these, so let's just pause a moment and sit in silence together, and in our silence, grieve alongside ourselves, our brothers or sisters, and for those not with us today who have experienced this type of lament. My faith family people are hurting. People are hurting. It doesn't always have to be as intense as my experience was, but a lot of times the people we go and serve have suffered a loss of some kind. What if we were to embrace our own losses and truly lament with one another? I think this is the key within the church today. People, especially us millennials, we are looking for authentic communities. What is more authentic than a people so in touch with who they are and the experiences God has led them through that they cannot help but go and serve others who are in tough situations too? Because I don't know about you, but when I'm serving, it's not typically because people have it all together. (laughs) No, it's because people need help in some way. We are taking lament and turning it into shalom. How do we turn lament into shalom? 
What if instead of telling someone what they should do with their grief, we were with them in it? Sitting uncomfortably in silence or simply saying, I'm here if you need to talk. What if we were strong enough to be vulnerable and share our own laments so people feel safe coming to us and sharing theirs? Sometimes it's as simple as a touch, a head nod, eye contact, or a how are you doing today? We need to stop playing what I like to call the battle of the trauma and realizing that everyone struggles, including our own. They are relevant. We all have stuff, don't we? We all need some sort of comfort at some point in our lives, and God is not a flippant God. He doesn't dole out these traumatic experiences inconsequentially. In fact, he is a God who sees us. I was just reading in the Old Testament last week about Hagar, and after all of her lamenting, she quite clearly says, you are a God who sees. That is so beautiful. We have a God who sees. If we're able to be Jesus to each other and go and be Jesus to other people, faith, hear me. See our lament, our struggles, our pain, and be with our brothers and sisters and theirs. If we can get uncomfortable and sit in each other's lament because that is where true peace lives, that is where God's shalom lives. If we want to experience a fraction of God's shalom this side of heaven, if we want to make an impact for the kingdom this side of heaven, we must engage lament even when it's inconvenient or uncomfortable. So we have determined we pursue God's heart for justice through shalom and lament, yeah? Why? It's because to know God is to do justice. Milba Padiamage, in her book, Transforming Society, evokes both the, old, both the Old and New Testament beautifully in her assertion that prophetic literature resoundingly affirms that to know God is to do justice and not to primarily make prayers. In Jeremiah 22, verses 15 through 16, it says this, Does it make you a king to have more and more cedar? Did not your father have food and drink? He did what was right and just, so all went with him. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declared the Lord? God quite literally says, and here he is directing this to the king of Judah, that to know him is to do what is right and just. So as Dr. Magay says here, we cannot just pray about justice. Prayer is so good, and it's so needed, but we have to do something if we want justice lived out. Dr. Maguey argues we need to follow the person of Jesus to quite literally empty ourselves in order to know God and therefore do his justice. Philippians 2 verses 5 through 8 says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So we need to humble ourselves as our Savior did, die to ourselves in order to serve others more effectively, because we are called to live like Jesus, and to know God is to do his justice as Jesus lived out God's justice. And I love this quote. Dr. Magay says this, We do not do things to the poor. We do things with them. What would it look like for us to have a mindset of being with those we serve instead of going and doing something nice for them? Faith family, we are at a very significant moment in time. 
We have more people gathering in our walls than we've had in years. People are digging into God's word through Alpha, Discovery Bible Experience, various Bible studies. We're clearly craving to know God more through the truth of his word and longing to be with one another in right relationship through our corporate worship. Now, are we willing to live out what we practice in our gathering and in our growing in authentic ways outside of these walls? If we are, we must make lament in the pursuit of God's shalom part of our way of life within our church walls. And I want to make note, I already see this occurring in how we serve one another by bearing one another's burdens, whether it's praying over one of our family members when they're in the hospital, or inviting a friend out for coffee who's going through a rough patch of some kind, or bringing someone a meal when it's too overwhelming to meet that basic need themselves. I want to close by asking each of you, no matter where you are in your faith journey, what is one step you could make personally to pursue justice in the manner of Jesus this season? You're probably sitting here wondering, what can I practically do now? Faith family, I cannot tell you how ecstatic I am for the things God has put on our hearts to plan for you. Coming in October, you will hear a lot more about going and serving from our weekly messages. We'll also provide you with more information on most of, if not all, the Go Local, or domestic outreach as we call it, organizations that Faith supports, and that'll be in your worship folder. We are asking you that you prayerfully consider how you would like to partner with one, if not more, of our service opportunities this year so you can go and serve with a purpose. At the end of October, we will also have something called the Matthew 25 Challenge through World Vision, which we teased today. This will be a church-wide, immersive opportunity that will have more details coming soon from yours truly. We will also have our Go Serve Fair on November 10th, where you can engage in person with leaders and members of local organizations so you can get involved since you'll have so much time in October to prayerfully consider where God may be calling you to serve in the future. And we will also have larger events and volunteer opportunities, such as Operation Christmas Child coming soon in 2019, the Made Known Service in early 2020, and this will be a direct opportunity to engage with our community in lament and shalom, and our day of service in spring 2020. And if you have any questions about what's to come or would like to get involved, please find me after the service or send me an email. I am so looking forward to serving along with all of you going forward. So right now, let's ask Pastor Brad up. We're going to do some Q&A. Good job, Tone. Good job, Tone. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, if you are new to Faith Covenant Church, we do Q&A quite a bit here. We haven't done it actually in a month, so it's uh, good to be getting back to that. Uh, Tone and I reserve the right to be wrong. Uh, at, and uh, we do Q&A uh, so that we get to interpret together a little bit. If you have a, a Q&A card, it, let's say you, you filled out a card. There's an Ask Pastor Brad card in your seat pocket in front of you. You can fill that out. Hold it up. One of the ushers will bring it to you. Or just Tone will walk out and grab it. Um, or you could have text a question to me like some people have uh, already. And you can text some more. Uh, let me start with this question, Tone. Uh, how do we, as politically active Christians, hmm. seek the shalom of the other side of the aisle? This is my first Q&A, you guys. I, would do <laughs> I usually ask him, how do we, 
How do we see, so how do Republicans, active, so how do Christian Republicans seek shalom with Democrats? How do Christian Democrats seek shalom with Republicans? That is so good. Um, I think uh, that the very first thing to do is always go back to the gospel, especially, so let's say in this scenario, let's say they're Christians, okay? Mm -hmm. Right. So you have to go back to Jesus, and Jesus did not have a political party, which he supported. <laughs> and so I, I think we need to recognize first that everyone is made in the image of God. So when we're engaging in dialogue with anyone, we need to remember who we're sitting in front of. We're sitting in front of someone who is made in the image of God, not made in the image of an elephant or a donkey. Okay? <laughs> he loves everyone. Um, and he wants us to come from a place of listening. So I think listening is a really big key part of that. You have to be able to willingly get yourself out of the way and just listen um, and ask open-ended questions instead of, well, you are, well, you're just this, we should not. Um, Instead of making those blanket statements, I think it's important for us to listen because, you guys, there are good sides or good ideas on every, (laughs) every side of the spectrum. So I think that's a place you can start. Yeah. So, so uh, beginning to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, I would add to that uh, praying for the other side. Yeah. So yeah. let's say uh, you are a Democrat. Today is a good day to be praying for the president. Mm-hmm. And let's say you're a Republican. Today is a good day to be praying for uh, Nancy Pelosi on the other side. Uh, why? Because you want them to be led mm-hmm. by the Spirit of God. And uh, unity is far better than our division, which is quite prominent in our country right now. Um, Let me look at that one right there. Uh, I'll ask you this before I look at that one. What is a practical way I can lament this week? That's good. I do always want to say, too, because I shared a lot here, um, therapy is a beautiful thing. Um, <laughs> there are many of us even um, in our congregation who, um, I mean, you take care of your physical health, right? So you also have to realize your mind is part of your body. <laughs> and so to seek help for your mental health is a really good thing. So I have lamented to my therapist plenty of times. <laughs> um, but finding someone you trust to. So it's really hard to, um, as you all know, I think we've all felt isolated one or two times in our lives, um, it's easy to sort of um, get buried down and bogged down by whatever might be ailing you. Um, finding someone you trust, um, whether that is a therapist or a pastor, um, someone on staff, um, or perhaps it's someone in your family who can just listen and you can you can speak to them. Or we are artist types. Maybe some of you are too. Um, singing might help you. <laughs> I've lamented through singing, through performing, through dancing, exercising. There are physical ways in which we can do that. Okay. How, what, what is a practical way someone who's not lamenting for their own stuff oh, but lamenting good. for others? How can they practically lament this week? Yeah, well, even if it's not something you're going through and it's something others are going through, you still need dialogue with another human being. Um, So I think it's really, I mean, God gave us each other church for a reason, right? (laughs) So I think finding someone who you can trust and feel open with to lament for others too, and not in a way, here's what Brian and I do, my husband and I, I'm like, I'm not gossiping, I am telling you this because I am very sad for so-and-so and and we need to pray over (laughs) intentionally this person. Um, Finding that safe person that you can lament together over others' struggles is important. There you go. Uh, Could could I add another thing? Um, As you watch the news, 
and you see something mm-hmm. sad, pray for it right away. Uh, just as you as you pass a car accident, yes. Uh, immediately pray for it. My uh, kids do that now, Brad. Well, that's good. That whenever there's an ambulance, they're like, "Mom, we need to pray." Yeah. And so that, yeah. It's good. Habit. Absolutely. Um, how do we get ourselves to go when we are afraid, socially anxious? Where do we start? Uh, what do we What do we start with? So yeah, so someone who's um, I, I'm afraid to I'm afraid to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what do I What's the first step I could do? Yeah, I think praying is a really, really um, good first step to do that. Um, So to pray and ask God for courage and strength to go in whatever capacity he has um, gifted you. And maybe you're not even sure of your gifts um, to be praying over that, digging into his word and understanding. Um, And then also realizing that you are going to be uncomfortable. There is no other way around that. I, I still get uncomfortable <laughs> when I go and serve, and this is my bread and butter. So it's not something that will go away, I don't think, um, because oftentimes when we're serving people, we don't, we don't always understand what they're going through. But like I said in the sermon, too, if we can understand more about ourselves, it'll help us not completely place ourselves in the shoes of someone else, but it'll help us be a little more relaxed in um, helping them because we've dealt with our own things. Okay. Two more. Uh, um, uh, I'm just going to add to that. Uh, take the shape class because yeah. the shape class helps us understand how God has wired us to serve, and that helps uh, kind of focus how we serve. Uh, one more for you. One more for me. Um, thank you, Tone, for tackling a difficult topic. I can relate to some of your issues, but don't know how to find freedom. Ooh. How can I do this? Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to give you my off-the-cuff tone answer, which would be Jesus and therapy. Um, <laughs> that was really, really helpful. Um, it takes years. It, and, it, and, it, and you know what? Um, I've actually said this to my therapist before. Um, I'm like, this stuff has never really left me. And he said, well, it won't because it's part of your story. And so over time, I will say it gets easier um, but first, you do you have to talk to someone about it. Um, the I did mention a piece um, where there was an issue with my friend's father when I was seven. <laughs> that happened to me, um, and I, you guys, that trauma didn't pop into my brain until it was like 28, 29. I forgot completely about it because trauma is a nasty thing. It kind of my he describes it as like there's little filing cabinets in your brain, and I stored that thing way back. Um, so if you're just starting to deal with that as an adult. It is really important to go to therapy. Um, we have a lot of great Christian therapists that we refer. Um, Char has a slew of them. I know Brad and I have recommendations. So um, that would be a really huge first step. And please just know that if you're struggling with that, you are made in the image of God. And I'm so sorry that that was done to you because I always like to apologize to survivors because it's not fun. So. Yeah, think, think about uh, if you had a broken leg, um, you would go to a doctor to get help because you don't know how to fix your own broken leg. Uh, if, if you have a broken piece of your heart somewhere, um, God has provided good, thoughtful people who can help uh, you in the healing process and that you don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to close with this one. Uh, someone asked, they, they sent it to the Ask Pastor Brad, which, uh, uh, what are your feelings about women in ministry? I'm guessing this is for me. Cause, <laughs> 
Tone, tone's feelings really are positive, uh, <laughs> as are mine. Uh, just an FYI, uh, in the Evangelical Covenant Church, of which uh, Faith Covenant Church is a part of, uh, we celebrate uh, uh, the, the uh, calling of women. Uh, we say women are, are equally called and gifted like men to lead churches. So you're part of, uh, if you're sitting at Faith Covenant Church, you're part of a church that is part of a denomination that embraces the ordination of women in, uh, in ministry. And so if you would like to talk more about that, I'd be happy to have that conversation with you, Pastor Sharkan, as well. Um, and we can explain uh, how our denomination came to those conclusions. So for what it's worth, there you go. Uh, Tom, would you like to pray? Uh, and, and then I will close us. Sounds good. Dear God, thank you so much for this day, Lord. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for our ability to come together and connect with one another, Lord. And I pray that that we would be able to embrace whatever our story is, Lord, that you've given us, God, um, and see how you can bring us through it. And, Lord, I, I pray that each of us would be able to lean into our own discomfort to lean into vulnerability, God, and go and serve the least of these as you commanded us, Lord. Thank you for the example of Jesus. May we, may we strive, Lord, to give of ourselves as you have given so greatly to us, God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um.